There's hope for you yet. Hey, welcome to Screen Crush. I'm Colton Ogburn, and Ahsoka Episode 5 was absolutely insane. We've got my boy Hayden Christensen back as Anakin Skywalker. Live action Clone Wars battles, it was intense. Now, a little later, I'm going to bring in Screen Crush's own Dotson Sykes and Brianna McLarty to tell me what they thought about the episode. But first, let me geek out a little. Now, the first Star Wars movie I saw in a movie theater was Revenge of the Sith. I was like seven years old, and for years, I'd watched on repeat the original trilogy VHS tapes, as well as the first two prequels. But there was always this missing piece that was Revenge of the Sith. And I was so excited to finally get that missing story when that film came out. And I was fortunate enough to be able to get a lot of the toys and the video game. And it was just an awesome time. And Revenge of the Sith and the hype around that movie when it was coming out, it's a core memory for me and just a significant part of my life. And I'm sure it has inspired a lot of my work as a big boy now. And look, while as an adult and a filmmaker, I see the flaws in the prequels. I do, but I just don't care. I I still watch Revenge of the Sith all the way through at least once a year. And my entire life is just random Revenge of the Sith quotes that makes my wife want to destroy me, but luckily I'm taller and I always have the high ground. It's over, Anakin! I have the high ground. Now, speaking of high ground, we do have a great new high ground shared over on our merch store, ScreenCrushMerch.com, as well as lots of other fun new stuff like this Master and Apprentice family tree, poster, and tapestry, and of course, our Say No to Death Stick shirt. Seriously, man, go home and rethink your life. Treating yourself to some fun stuff from our merch store is one of the best ways to support our channel and help us be able to keep making all of the fun videos that you and I both love. Again, that's ScreenCrushMerch.com. Anyway, I'm telling you all about my love for Revenge of the Sith because what was this episode of Ahsoka if not a love letter to fans of the prequel movies and series like The Clone Wars. Now, don't get me wrong, I am not a Disney-era Star Wars hater. I love The Force Awakens and Rogue One, the first two Star Wars movies that Disney put out. And I'm also able to acknowledge, unlike some of the franchise's more toxic fans, that beloved shows like The Mandalorian, Andor, and even Ahsoka... Guess what? What? Those are Disney Star Wars 2. But I do want to share a critique I have of those first few years of Star Wars being back under the helm of Disney. During that time, there was basically no acknowledgement of the prequels. They avoided those movies like The Plague and anything adjacent to them like the Clone Wars series. I mean, they even put out a Star Wars Battlefront game, the first one since the masterpiece that was the first Star Wars Battlefront 2. And in this new game, there were no prequel characters, no prequel planets, no prequel ships. And it was just obvious that Disney and Lucasfilm felt their best path forward was to ignore the prequels and focus heavily on the original trilogy. And look, I get that. The prequels were not received well by critics and a lot of fans, and Disney understandably thought that their best course of action was to stick to the nostalgic love of the first three films. And look, they were probably right to do that for that time. And don't get me wrong, 
I adore the original trilogy. It is still by far the best Star Wars has ever been and probably ever will be. But as a guy who grew up with essentially both trilogies side by side, I was able to find a love and respect for both trilogies in their own way. And I think that's the case for a lot of Star Wars fans. So just like the early 20 teens was the right time to honor nostalgia of the original trilogy, I think that the early 2020s are proving to be the right time to honor Honor the nostalgia and the love for the prequel era. Now, Ahsoka Tano is a creation of the prequel era. She was created during a pretty dry time for the Star Wars fandom, three years after Revenge of the Sith came out, and her entire character was centered in an era of the Star Wars timeline that was controversial at best. And it didn't help that the movie she was introduced in was absolute garbage. You like to play in the sand. Sorry to those of you who liked that movie, all three of you, but yeah, it, it was a dark time for Star Wars. But then came the Clone Wars series, which in my personal opinion had a rough start, but as the series progressed, it turned into a really great piece of Star Wars. A piece of Star Wars that is now being honored in live action. This is the Clone Wars! Yeah, no kidding. And look, as a prequel fan, I've been begging for some live action prequel era material. And boy, did this episode of Ahsoka deliver. We got to see young Ahsoka in one of her first battles in the Clone Wars with her green lightsaber and those OG clone troopers and Hayden Christensen, the goat, in his Clone Wars costume. And it put a huge smile on my face. What about my training? This is your training. Now, was this extremely fan servicey? Yes, but that's okay, fan service is okay. Hell, I'd even argue it is necessary as long as it contributes to the story and doesn't feel out of place. And to me, this episode handled that perfectly. In fact, not to complain, but I feel like it could have used a lot more. I mean, if you're gonna do a trippy dream sequence episode with Hayden Christensen back as Anakin, go all out, show me more than two battles, show me an alternate future, show me Ahsoka struggling with her choice to leave the order and then Anakin showing her what would have happened had she stayed. Show Ahsoka and Obi-Wan fighting Anakin on Mustafar and maybe killing him, making it to where he died evil instead of redeemed, meaning that the way history actually panned out was the best path possible. Use every tool in your tool belt and drive home that point that everything that happens happens for a reason and happens because the Force willed it to. Now, I don't want to come off greedy when I say that I wanted more. But I do think this episode should have been Ahsoka and Anakin the whole way through. I love the stuff with Hera and Jason, I really did, but come on, we were all screaming, get back to Ahsoka and Anakin every time they cut away, right? You look the same. You look old. All right, and that's where I want to bring in our guests. I have Screen Crush's own Dots and Sights and Brianna McLarty. So... I want to ask you guys, do you think that this episode went a little too far in some places? Uh, did it not go far enough? Like, What are your overall thoughts on the episode and its incorporation of like some OG prequel stuff and Clone Wars stuff? Dot, I'll, I'll throw it to you first. Yeah, okay. So for me, um, I thought it was a little too much, uh, a little too much, uh, sorry, a little too much, a little not enough, and a little like all just perfect it, 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 the the the, yeah. the way it was so fragmented it felt at sometimes like i hated what i was seeing on screen sometimes i was literally cheering for what i was seeing on screen 
Um, like, biggest example, right, is those, uh, those Clone Wars scenes, right? Um, the first Clone Wars scene I actually hated, and mostly because I don't know why Hayden Christensen doesn't know how to, like, run in, in, in gloves, I guess, is what was throwing him off. But, like, he, he looked like a toddler that was just wearing a suit for the first time. And, like, it takes away kind of from some of those, like, harder moments when you see him, like, flashing in the clouds with, like, Vader right over his silhouette. And, and like, also, like, seeing the Clone Wars armor for the first time in live action was so cool, but it was kind of ruined to me by his acting in that moment. Now... Literally, you splice that with that second Clone Wars scene, and I loved that scene. I thought that was actually very reminiscent of where both Ahsoka and Anakin were, and really showed like the difference in how Ahsoka has been brought up and and the problems with 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 Ahsoka being brought up as a a warrior for something that was meant to be a a peacekeeping religious order, right? Like she was a. Uh, yeah. She had this kind of big, like, losing my religion kind of moment in, in the Clone Wars, and I think that was really powerful, and I think that second scene really showed that really well. And, of course, it was super gratifying seeing, you know, the uh, the Death Watch horns on, on those Mandalorians. That first shot of them that you see, to me, actually looked literally like it was animated. Right, I, I had to pause a couple yeah. of times to see that it was actually live action, but that frame to me literally looked uh, animated to me. Um, so like, it, it was weird. There was some beats that felt really, really strong. There were some beats that felt really, really awkward, right? I, I feel a little strange with like, especially when you watch Anakin in Revenge of the Sith and like how kind of like unhinged he is and kind of how childish he is in a lot of, of ways, right? Now, Clone Wars and like Dave Filoni's you know, backstory has really kind of retconned a lot of those feelings, and we kind of, like, see that slow build to where he's gotten to now, and we have that understanding, but it's still hard for me to kind of, like, rationalize that he's come from that kid to being this, like, mentor-esque figure through being Vader, right? Um, and, and so that's kind of the the... I think to me the big thing that Ahsoka and Anakin are battling out in this episode and that is a huge huge like character development to just try to summarize yeah. in one episode and I think they did a pretty good job for the most part um there's just some things to me that really stuck out and that were that kind of threw me out a little bit some, kind of like the uh the de-aging did in the, in the first reveal right where it was like yeah. oh this is really cool Oh wow, we really, really see that we've the ears have 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 have, have actually uh, affected you here. Hmm. Even though yeah. uh, you know Disney Magic didn't quite cover up everything. Yeah. What it it sounds to me like one of your biggest critiques. It's not really a critique of the episode or what they did here with these flashbacks. It's really of Clone Wars and their decision to go back and make Anakin this mature general type character. And that's great in the Clone Wars. It's cool. You kind of get to see in Clone Wars more the side of Anakin that becomes this leader, Darth Vader. Mm -hmm. But when you watch Attack of the Clones and then Revenge of the Sith, it's very clear that Revenge of the Sith is a direct sequel, really, to Attack of the Clones. And the, the character of Anakin in Revenge of the Sith did not have the character development that they later right. go back and give to him in Clone Wars. So I think that could be a lot of the problem there. And... 
Yeah, he seemed so awkward in that armor. I, I don't know what the deal was there, if it was just uncomfortable or what, but the way he was moving in that armor was really weird. So I do want to throw it over to Brianna. Brianna, what did you think of this episode, and do you think that it was too much or not enough in some places? I really like this episode. This is probably my favorite episode of the show so far. I do agree about the armor thing. However, I looked past Bo-Katan's wig for all of Mandalorian season two, so I could look past <laughs> right. the armor. Um, I think I really liked having as much Clone Wars in there as we did, because I think one of the hard things about kind of mashing this animated universe and this live action universe is that animation, especially in the Clone Wars, because it was kind of more marketed at kids, it can soften things. And so you have moments in like the animated Battle of Ryloth where you're like, oh, it is kind of crazy that these grown adult clones are all calling her commander, but right. seeing her as a child soldier was a completely different experience. It was a lot heavier and it was a lot sadder. Like the whole um, gravity of that, like all sticks out, right? Like seeing yeah. her as a little kid, that, 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 yeah, you're right. Yeah, she looks like such a baby. And like I was, I right? looked up how old she was. <laughs> she was like 14. That's like an eighth grader or a freshman. Like that is. Can you imagine like an eighth grader kid. or a freshman like leading people into battle? Literally, no. like that's insane. <laughs> yeah, I was like, no wonder she's traumatized. So I was really happy they showed that because I think it like it made it a lot more clear how right. difficult that was, and honestly, it kind of made it clear how wrong the Jedi Order was to throw all of these like kids because most of them ended up dying. She's right. just one of the ones who lived. So I really, really enjoyed that. I do think the de-aging and the armor was not the best, but I feel like I've looked past bigger Star Wars costuming mistakes. Fair, yeah. Um, and then in terms of some of the seeing him as this mature general, I think that the Clone Wars does retcon that a fair amount. I think I'm even more willing, honestly, to accept it in this because we're seeing it from Ahsoka's perspective. And I do think it's a little bit like when you're a little kid and you're looking at people who are older than you and you're like, oh my God, they're so old. And it's like, they're not. They're still like, you know, they're still very young, but it, they feel really old. And I do get that sense from Ahsoka, especially in like the first scene where I'm like, he could have been very immature. He kind of was honestly pretty blase about the lives, but to her, he would have seemed like this great mentor. Well, I, I love that you both brought up the fact that we got to see her as a child. And I personally, I think I've seen that animated Clone Wars movie once. And like the first few seasons of Clone Wars once. I'm more of a later seasons of Clone Wars fan. And I forget how young Ahsoka really was there. You know, they could have gone the route of just having uh, Rosario Dawson play the Ahsoka in that situation and have everything else around her be older and Clone Wars era, but have her just maintain, you know, her current look. But I'm glad they made the decision to cast a young actress and have her be so young in that scene, because like you said, it really does show the gravity of the situation of the Clone Wars and why Ahsoka is the way she is. So I, I'm glad you mentioned that. Now, in the spirit of me, like being greedy and wanting more Anakin, like I talked about earlier in the video. I want to ask both of you, do you think it, we are going to get any more Anakin this season? There, there have been trailers where we hear more Anakin. Now, that could just be cut dialogue from this episode, but I'm kind of hoping we get some more. Do you think we'll get some more? Dot, I'll throw that to you first. I, I would have to go through and look back at the actual cut dialogue that we haven't seen in the trailers to think, see if it's actually stuff that I think would 
fit and like cut things from this trailer to like officially make that call. But my gut tells me that no, I feel like this is kind of what we needed Anakin for, right? Like this episode, uh, I was talking with somebody about this online. They were like, I don't like episodes that are solely for character buildup. And I was like, okay, I don't even think this, this episode did do that, right? But I don't think this episode is only that, right? We got, not only was it like this big triumph over her own darkness and this big metaphor, Ahsoka the White and all this cool stuff, but like we found how she's going to get to Ezra. That was the plot step that needed to happen in this episode, right? And um, so I think that like the arc... My point being is that I think the arc that we really needed Anakin for, that overcoming her own personal darkness and that that like that big kind of belly of the beast trauma, I think that's it, right? I think that that's where she learns her lesson. She's clearly a changed character from here, right? I think the rest of the story is going to be indicative on how that change affects the situation versus her going through through more challenges, if that makes sense. Um, I believe it was something along the lines of Anakin saying, I know you can do this, Ahsoka. I know you can do this, Ahsoka. That could yeah. totally be a cut line from this episode. But right. I'm kind of leaning toward maybe in her rematch uh, with uh, Balin, maybe we'll hear Anakin come to her kind of like the Force Ghost did in Rise of Skywalker with Rey. Uh, Brianna, what do you think? Do you think we're going to hear any more Anakin, see any more Anakin? I think we might have sort of what you talked about. Like, I can see, like, in the finale having a very short Anakin moment, but I don't think we're going to get much more than that. And in all honesty, I do love Anakin, but I kind of hope we don't. Because for me, this episode was the first episode of the show that felt like was actually centered on Ahsoka and not Sabine. And I really like Sabine, but the show's called Ahsoka. So I liked having Anakin there because of how it let Ahsoka's story progress, but I think putting a lot more Anakin in would just distract from her, and I really just like want the show to be about her. Very true. Yeah, I, I've, right. said, I've said from the start, this show should have just been Rebels Season 5. I, I think that would have been a better title. I love Ahsoka, but this is not an Ahsoka series, really, until this episode. It's, it's more of a Sabine series. Exactly. Um, I hope this is the pivot. I'm really yeah. hoping this is the pivot because I really uh, like Ahsoka. I hope so too. And the fact that Hera stayed behind could kind of be a sign that we're going to get some more Ahsoka-centric storytelling. I mean, especially with like how many episodes we have left, right? Like, you can yeah. kind of look at these first couple of episodes where we felt that it was so Sabine heavy as like she loses Sabine too, and that's her biggest moment mm-hmm. into the belly of the beast kind of thing. And like that buildup kind of looks like it makes sense there. And so if this, I, I, if the story ends up being like just like we saw in this episode, kind of showing how her change and like how her finishing her training with Anakin has really changed her, right? Um, then I think that overall I can look at the series as as more of an Ahsoka show than Rebel Season 5 at this point, possibly. Yeah, I, I hope so. Um, before we go, I wanted to complain about something, and I think you two will enjoy this. I wanted to talk about how incompetent and ineffective and just eerie the New Republic seems. Like, when those New Republic ships came in toward the end of that episode, it felt like Star Destroyers flying in there. Like, why did I feel scared of this New Republic, the government that took over after Return of the Jedi? Why is a character like uh, Chancellor Mothma, who is supposed to be this badass rebel 
who we've seen in Andor in like the exact same position that Hera was in when begging for help. Now all of a sudden she's acting like this crooked, corrupt, out of touch politician. And that, oh, that, that bothers me so much because I love that character. And I, I mean, it makes sense that this is happening because we know what happens with the First Order and all that. But what, what did you guys think about how seasons like Mandalorian Season 3 and now in Ahsoka, we're getting to see just the incompetence of uh, the New Republic. I'll, I'll throw that to you first, Brianna. I do agree. It definitely, like, when they showed up, I was like, oh, this they seem like the bad guys here because they are the bad guys here. Um, I think it's actually really... As someone who's like who likes politics in Star Wars, which I know is kind of controversial, I actually am really enjoying. Yeah, I'm really enjoying being able to see it because I think, especially what you're seeing with characters like Mon Mothma, is they've been in some sort of war or rebellion for like over 30 years at this point. Like there was the Clone Wars, and then there was the Empire, and there was like years of rebelling against the Empire. And I think all of these characters, it's not that I think Mon Mothma is like incredibly evil. I think she's tired and I think she's really wants there to be peace. And I don't, I think she's willing to like turn her head if she thinks there can be peace. And I don't think she's necessarily, she's not looking at the flaws of the old Republic that allowed it to fall. Like the bureaucracy of the old Republic was one of the biggest ways it could fall. If you see it in the Phantom Menace where they won't go and help Naboo because they need to do a whole investigation. And you're seeing a lot of those same problems. Now, what sucks is you would need a giant bureaucracy to manage thousands and thousands of planets so there has to be a bureaucracy but she's not looking at where that failed instead she's just trying to sort of reset everything as it was but now they don't even have a moral compass at all because the jedi order no longer exists so it's even more fraught um i don't think that it comes like from like yeah i want everything to be bad i think she just really wants everything to be good but yeah. isn't actually looking at the work it takes to get there. Um, and she's letting a lot of bad apples rot all of it, which is exactly how the First Order came to be. Yeah, and I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I love her character, and I, I think you're right that she's probably in some state of denial, and you're right that she probably is exhausted. You know, we didn't get a lot of focus on her character in the original trilogy, but as we know in the canon, she she was at the, the front line of all of these battles, and the war to bring down Palpatine. So I think you're right that she's probably trying to juggle this, you know, dilemma of I I want to listen to Hera and I want to be able to do the rebellious things I used to do, but I also want to be able to maintain this democracy we fought so hard to build. And with a democracy, she can't just act as like this Supreme Chancellor who just says, okay, do this. I don't care what the senators say. So yeah, to your point, that would be undemocratic and show poor leadership on her part, even though Hera's right in this case. Dodd, what do you think about the Chancellor, the New Republic, all of that? I know we always say people hate politics in the Star Wars. This channel loves politics in Star Wars. Like everybody (laughs) here loves politics in Star Wars, all right? And this is is so satisfying for for us, for these kind of fans, right? Because it is right... as I felt that same thing y'all felt as soon as they pulled up here. I was like, they have really positioned them as the the antagonist in this story right now. And that's because uh, right now, uh, uh, the whole Thrawn squad is is gone. They're, they're, they're adios. They're, they're not even a part of the picture. 
And, and this episode, they're absolutely 100% the antagonist. I think it's really, really interesting. And me, for me, my mind immediately went to some of the conversations, um, you know, uh, with like the interviews with George Lucas, where he was talking about like the Rebel Alliance and what those would be labeled as if they were into if, they, if people did those things in in the real world, what they would be labeled to be labeled as terrorists. Right. And, and Ahsoka was labeled as a terrorist by the Empire. Right. And we've seen when actual terrorists can form a government, they usually don't form the most cohesive system there. Right. It has a lot of faults there. Right. It's it's kind of uh, it reminds me of the Joker at the end of uh, Dark Knight. I'm kind of like the dog chasing the car. I don't know what to do when I get it. You know, yeah. and, and it's the same thing with with this the 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 Rebel Alliance. There was so much of it that was moral based, right? We see Andor, and I just I love all the the, the moments in Empire are so great because they're they're the easy moments, right? It's the really really easy bad guys and the really really easy good guys, right? And um and you can you can play with those elements there. Now, once the dogs finally caught the car at the end of Endor here, right? That's when people like Mon Mothma are like, okay, well, do, do, do you have anything I can go off of here, right? You, you, it reminds me of like people that are like working for, for feeding the hungry in, in, in different uh, charities, right? They're like, hey, I need, I, I need this amount of dollars so I can feed these people or I'm taking food out of other people's mouths, right? They're still doing a good thing, but they just have limited resources and they can't do what it is. And that, what that looks like extrapolated out over years and years is someone who is kind of snippy like, hey, do you got the things that I need or I can't do anything? So I think to me, it matches perfectly with her trajectory. And I think that like, you know, she was always kind of brought on as this kind of like almost, almost angelic politician character in the beginning, right? This is the Mon Mothma, the one good guy that comes in here and to see her character like kind of drug out to the point where she's like, do you have anything I can go off of? No. Okay. Bye. I think is actually very fitting and very like Star Wars. So to me, it, it works. It rhymes. It, it, it. I love to see it. Hey, that's funny you say it. I was gonna say it rhymes exactly, and it, it's really it's perfect. I mean, it it wouldn't be good storytelling if everything just went according to plan and there, there was peace and all of it. And I right. know at the end of in, uh, Return of the Jedi, you you wanted to feel that way, and myself and others are you know critical of how they handled the first order and all that mm -hmm. in the sequel trilogy but I, I think what they're doing with shows like mandalorian and ahsoka to your point they're really showing the downfall of the new republic and how how a good intention to go government can fall because we we've never seen a good intention to government really fall in star wars because even in the prequels it was all being manipulated by palpatine now we have actual rule. <laughs> the good guys are actually in charge. And yeah, to your point, it's just, it's falling apart. It's harder than it looks. All right. Well, I want to thank both of you so much for being on here. Uh, Dodd, where can the people find you? Hey, you can find me on Twitch, Twitter, and TikTok at Roos underscore Bane. Brianna? Uh, you can follow me on Instagram and TikTok at Brianna T. McClarty. All right, and I want to thank uh, all of you so much for watching, and thank you for putting up with me. Ryan and Doug will be back soon. Let us know your thoughts down in the comments below on Ahsoka Episode 5. And if it's your first time here, be sure to hit that <laughs> bell for alerts, subscribe, all that good stuff. All right, thank you so much for watching. We'll see you next time. Bye.